If you've got your Bibles with you this morning, turn to Acts chapter 2, if you will. And uh, I learned a little bit in the early service, and I'm going to try to slow down just a little bit. I, I hadn't even had but like half a Coke Zero uh, before 8.30, and you'd have thought I'd have had 16 cups of coffee. And uh, I really didn't have the tone that I wanted to have in that early service. So those of you who have been with me here for 11 years, you are proud of my growth and now my ability to use a filter. And uh, so this morning, you're there in Acts chapter 2. And I'm going to talk to you for just a few minutes this morning about the basics of believers' baptism. We have a special service uh, in a couple of weeks on the Sunday night of August the 27th uh, where we are going to have a church-wide fellowship and baptism service out at the YMCA camp Lakeside in Lincolnton, Georgia, just across the river. And this is that time of the year where we try to encourage folks who have trusted Jesus perhaps during vacation Bible school or during one of our big events or who have yet to uh, be baptized to encourage them to take that, that step. Uh, perhaps you were saved. We want to encourage you and give you that opportunity uh, to do what Jesus has told you to do. And so you're there in Acts chapter 2 this morning. And as we get started today, I want to talk to three people sitting out there this morning. There's three people that I want to talk directly to this morning. And the first person that I want to talk to is that person who needs to take the first step. That is that one sitting out there this morning, and you are not a Christian. You have never been saved. You have never given your life to Jesus Christ. There has never come that time and place in your life where you have repented of your sin and turned from your sin and placed your faith and trust in Jesus and Jesus alone to save you. And if that is you sitting out there this morning, you've been coming for years, you've been coming for months, you've been coming for weeks, or this is your very first time, but you are sitting out there this morning and you are not a Christian. Maybe you were raised in church, you try to be a good person, but there has never come that time and place in your life where you trusted Christ, my prayer for you is that in this service, before we leave this place today, that you would take that first step and say yes to Jesus and say no to yourself and be saved. That's the very first one that I want to talk to you today. The second person that I want to talk to this morning is that one who needs to take the next step. You're a Christian. You, you are saved. There's been that time and place in your life you can go back to where you remember placing your faith and trust in Jesus and you are now a new creation, but you have yet to be baptized. For whatever reason, you are a Christian, but you have yet to be baptized by immersion after salvation as a public declaration of what Jesus has done in and for and through you. I want you to take that next step today. And then the third person I want to talk to this morning is that one who needs to take the right step. And so maybe you were sprinkled as a baby. Maybe, maybe you were poured on when you were a little child. Uh, maybe you went through, Christ, you were christened, or you went through a confirmation when you were a younger person. But then later on, maybe, maybe you were dumped uh, when you were just a child in some Baptist church somewhere, right? But then later on when you were a teenager or something like that, you trusted Christ at a youth camp, you gave your life to Jesus at a vacation Bible school, but you've never gone back and gotten your baptism on the right side of salvation. And I want to encourage you before we leave this place today for you to take that right step and to come and say, I need to be baptized by immersion after salvation as a public declaration of what Jesus has done in my life. I was sharing with the other services today, Franklin Kirksey made a statement a couple of years ago, and then he posted it again this week. So I'm just taking this as a sign from God. I love Franklin Kirksey, pastor down in Alabama for years. 
he was a guest in the very first service that I preached in at Abilene over 11 years ago. The morning when I preached my trial sermon and one kid pulled the fire alarm in the middle of my sermon. How many of y'all remember that day? Can I see your hand? And, uh, and I was on fire. Uh, and uh, pulled that. And so but Franklin was sitting out there in the service that morning and uh, has been a friend of mine ever since. And he posted it again this week. And I thought, wow, what a confirmation for what God has placed upon my heart to share with you this morning. Here's what he Here's how he put it. He said, baptism is a public depiction of a personal decision making a powerful declaration. And that is a great way to understand baptism. Baptism is a public depiction of a personal decision making a powerful declaration. And so we're going to talk about and think about uh, baptism for a few minutes here uh, this morning. Look down there in Acts chapter 2. Will Acts chapter 2, picking up in verse number 37. Notice what the Bible says there. Now, when they heard this, well, what's this? Well, Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and he preached the gospel. He preached the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He preached his incarnation, his crucifixion, his resurrection. He preached Jesus. And as a result of that, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as our Lord God will call. And with many other words. Stop right there. Time out. And with many other words. You know what that's as Luke's way of saying he preached a long time. Makes me feel better, right? And with many other words, he did what? He testified and exhorted. That means he invited them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Now, you may be sitting there this morning, and we just read about how on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people were saved and baptized. And you're sitting there this morning trying to figure out, uh, you're, you're like one of those ones, so you're, 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 a, you're a bean counter. You, 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 you kind of like to figure up stuff. And you're sitting out there this morning trying to figure out how in the world did they baptize 3,000 people on the same day uh, in the same place? Anybody ever had that thought? Can I see your hands? You ever had that thought? And, and so uh, I had that thought until my first trip to the Holy Land, and uh, we're there on the uh, steps uh, there by the Temple Mount and on the old steps. And I looked, and all around that, the, the, the old steps, were all of these Jewish mikvahs. You say, what's a mikvah? Well, a Jewish mikvah is a Jewish baptismal pool. It's a Jewish ceremonial cleansing pool. And all across the steps there are all these mikvahs. One could handle a 1,000 people. So it answers the question, when 3,000 people got saved and said they want to be baptized, what did they do with them? They used those mikvahs all over the stairs there on the Temple Mount, and they baptized 3,000 people in one day. Our very first church in West Tennessee, uh, Gateway Baptist Church in Atoka. And uh, we were, it was a new church, and uh, we had had revival. Harold Hunter had come and came and preached for us. And uh, we had this family named Bob Smith. It was the Smith family. And Bob's country cousins from Kansas came. Say that five times real fast. His country cousins from Kansas came. And uh, they were in this revival that week, and they got saved. Mom, dad, the kids, everybody, everybody got saved that week. And they came to me, and they said, hey, we want to be baptized here before we go back to Kansas. This is where we came to know Christ, and so we want to be baptized here. Well, the problem is, is that that very first building was, it looked like a dentist office. It didn't have a baptistry. We didn't, nobody even thought about using troughs back in those days uh, and those sorts of things. And so um, I, I didn't know what we were going to do. 
Because normally we would schedule with Faith Baptist Church in Mumford, Tennessee, and we would go over there on a Sunday afternoon, and we would use their baptistry and have service there on Sunday afternoon. Or we would go to First Baptist Church, Covington, Tennessee, and have a joint ordinance service with Lord's Supper and baptism. Well, we didn't have time to do that. They're going back to Kansas. And so I said, I don't know exactly what we're going to do. And one of our members said, well, I have a swimming pool. And I said, Amen. I said, well, you, do you guys mind being baptized in a swimming pool? And they said, not at all. And so they showed up in their swimming trunks and a T-shirt. Great. You can tell I am a Baptist preacher raised at a First Baptist church. I showed up with my robe. <laughs> yeah. Showed up with my robe. And uh, we, I still have a picture somewhere. And we got down there in that pool, and I baptized the mom first, and then I baptized uh, the kids. And then I baptized the daddy. And, and when I brought him up out of that pool, he didn't say amen. He didn't shout hallelujah. He didn't shout praise the Lord. When I pulled him up out of that pool, that dude from Kansas let out a war hoop. Yahoo! You know why? Because he was excited and he expressed that in the language of his heart, right? This past week, uh, Friday, Friday, I drove over to Sarah Gordo, North Carolina. You can't get there from here. And uh, I preached at Cherry Grove Baptist Church. I had a preaching conference. And Friday night, I preached with Phil Hoskins and H.B. Charles. And uh, Stoney Benfield was there. We, we rode together. And then Jeff Laborde came in the next morning and, uh, and preached. And I was driving on the way over there, and I thought, you know, it hit me. I've not talked to Randall Jones. I'm over here 25 miles from, from North Myrtle Beach, Conway. I'm in, I'm in the area, and I haven't talked to Randall Jones. And Randall's been a friend of mine for years, but, you know, COVID, you kind of get disconnected. And so uh, I made sure I had the right number, and I called him. We picked up right where we left off a couple years ago. And uh, we began to talk about what we normally talk about, and that is the dismal numbers of baptisms in the Southern Baptist Convention. And if you've been paying attention to what I've been saying in the last couple of years, you already know that we have been on a decline for about a decade at least. Chuck Kelly even has a new book out that if you'll go through, you'll be able to chart it. And, um, but we have been in a decline, and every year we have fewer baptisms as a denomination, as a convention than we had the previous year. We are, you've got to go back to like the 30s or the 40s to get to the numbers to where we are now. We're way bigger than we were back then. The country's way bigger than it was uh, back then. And so we got to talking about that and just thinking about what is the problem? Why, why do we have an issue getting people baptized? And you know, I, you, you've been around with me for 11 years now. Those of you who've been with me a long time. I'm from Tennessee. I, if I count above 10, I got to take off my shoes, pull off my socks to, in order to count above 10. All right. I, I get that. But it just seems very elementary to me. I mean, it just seems simple and sophomoric to say that if we would just preach the gospel more and tell people that they need to be baptized, you'd have more people saved and baptized, right? You think that just makes that just makes sense? We ought to be telling people how to be saved and, and that they need to take that first step of obedience and, and, and be baptized. We need to be, to be like the guy that I heard about. He was new to a church and and uh, every Sunday he got up. It didn't matter what text he had. John three sixteen, Romans eight twenty. It, it didn't matter what 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 text it was. Every Sunday morning he's going to preach on baptism. Every Sunday morning. And it began to be a little bit of a rub for the church. And so the deacons got together and they said, we've got to help this brother out. Every, every Sunday morning is another sermon on baptism. And so they came up with the idea, we're going to suggest, we're going to ask him, can we suggest a text and you take that text and preach on it uh, Sunday morning? Hey, deacons, I love you. Don't try that. 
But they came to this pastor, and they're trying to help him. And so they came to the pastor, and they said, uh, Hey, pastor, could we suggest a text for you to preach on Sunday morning? He said, Sure. They said, How about that one out of Matthew where Jesus talks about the, the axe being laid at the, at the root of the tree? He said, Not a problem. He gets up the next Sunday morning. He preaches on the axe, the axe head, the axe handle. He preaches on the guy swinging the axe and the axe hitting the tree there next to that river. He preaches about the wood chips going everywhere as the axe is hitting it. And then he said, When the tree finally fell over into the river, what happened? It dammed up the river. Why? So they could have baptism. <laughs> we ought to be pointing people to Jesus and then encouraging them to take that very first step. So with that said this morning, get your Bibles out. Take some notes this morning. Let me talk to you for a few minutes here today about the basics of believer's baptism. It's a little different message for me this morning, but I pray that it'll bless you and help you and encourage those of you who need to take that first step, that next step, that right step uh, this morning. Number one, if you're taking notes, let's talk about the meaning of baptism. The meaning of baptism. So the word baptize comes from a Greek word, baptizo. The word baptizo is not a fancy word. It is not a church word. It is not a religious word. It is a common koine, everyday Greek word that they would have used in the streets uh, of, of those towns. It's a word that would use to be described when a wife would take those dishes, uh, or if the husband was helpful, would take those dirty dishes and dump them under the water and pull them back up. She would baptize her dishes. It means to immerse. It means to dip. That's what the word means. It does not mean sprinkle. It does not mean pour. It does not mean that. It has never meant that. It will never mean that. The word baptizo is found 127 times in the pages of your New Testament. And nowhere, no time is it used to describe sprinkling or pouring. The word for sprinkle in the Greek New Testament is rantizo. The word for pour is ekcheo. And the reason why the word baptizo is so important is because of the powerful picture that it paints for us. The word baptize is a picture of what Jesus Christ did for us when he died, was buried, and rose again from the dead for our salvation. That's why the Bible uses phrases like it, like it does in Romans chapter 6. Buried with him in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. And I've said it before, and um, it bears repeating. But every time somebody is baptized up there in that baptistry, they're preaching a sermon. Every single time somebody goes into the waters of that baptistry, goes under the waters in that baptistry, comes up out of the water of that baptistry, they are preaching a sermon about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the fact that as a result of placing their faith and trust in Him, they have died to their old self and they've been raised to walk in a new life. And so that's what they're doing. They're preaching a sermon. They're, they're declaring through that that Jesus Christ is their Lord he died and rose again for them and they've died and they are a new creation in Christ Jesus Amen. that's what the word means but then number two let's talk about that's several words I could have used I, I chose the word matter because baptism matters the matter of baptism or the member of baptism and so the, the question here is so who should be baptized and the basic biblical answer is anybody and everybody who's been saved. Anybody and everybody who has trusted Jesus Christ should be baptized. 
As a matter of fact, I can't even understand. I can't fathom. I can't comprehend a person who claims to be saved but either refuses or fails to be baptized. It doesn't make any sense. I, I can't imagine. I, I read through the New Testament, and I, I don't see where any single person in the New Testament, there's not one, every single person who was saved in the New Testament was baptized except for the thief on the cross as I read and study my New Testament. Every single one of them that trusted Christ and was saved was baptized. And I can't imagine, can, can you imagine any of the folks there on the day of Pentecost, any of those 3,000 folks saying, you know what, I've trusted Jesus, but I don't want to get my hair messed up. I've trusted Jesus, but I don't want to mess up my makeup. I've trusted Jesus, but, but I'm a little nervous to get in front of folks. I'm, I can't imagine any. I can't imagine the Ethiopian eunuch saying that. I can't imagine uh, Cornelius saying that. I can't imagine Lydia saying that. I can't imagine the Philippian jailer or any other notable New Testament convert saying anything like that, taking baptism lightly or ignoring what Jesus has told him to do, what Peter told them to do, what Paul told them to do once they had been saved. Now, let me make, the, make this statement. Baptism is not for those who are lost. Baptism is for those who are saved. Baptism is for those who have said yes to Jesus and no to themselves. As a matter of fact, the first and the most basic requirement for a baptism is that a person has done just that. And I, I wrote this down in my notes, and I want you to write it down somewhere. This is super important. <laughs> Believing always comes before baptism in the New Testament. Believing always comes before baptism. You say, well, Pastor, I just don't know if I agree with that. Well, look, you have every right to be wrong. Let me show you what the Bible says. Acts 2.41, then those who gladly received his word were what? What, what were they? What? Baptized. Yeah, baptized. Thank all three of you, by the way. Acts 8.13, then Simon himself also believed. And when he was what? When he was baptized, he continued with Philip. Acts 8, 36 through 38. Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And so he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he did what? He baptized him. That's right. Acts 16, you got Lydia there, four, verse 14. Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshiped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken, to, spoken by Paul. And when she and her household were what? Baptized. Baptized. That's right. She begged us. Matthew 28, 19, the Great Commission. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Doing what? baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's why when Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and he preached Jesus Christ, he said, he invited them to repent and let every one of you be baptized. Baptism is for those who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Amen. You say, well, Pastor, what about babies? What about babies? Well, Pastor, I was raised in a church where they baptize babies, or I got cousins that go to a church and they baptize babies. Look right here. I know I have a face for radio ministry, but just look right here for a second, all right? Baptizing babies isn't biblical. It's not. 
Baptizing babies isn't biblical. You won't find one single example, you won't find one single incident in the Bible where one single baby was ever baptized. Not one. There was a guy who was in a Christian store one day, and uh, he was perusing through the books kind of like I do. And Actually, I don't go to the stores. I, I have Amazon come like five times a day. But anyway, and uh, so he was looking through the books, and he saw this book kind of got his attention, and the, and the spine said everything the Bible says about the baptism of infants. It kind of got his attention. W would it get your attention? Everything the Bible says about the baptism of infants. And so he opened it up, and all the pages were blank. <laughs> There's no verses in the Bible. There's not one. There's not one verse in the Bible on infant baptism. You know why? Because babies have never realized they were a sinner, repented of their sin, and given their life to Jesus Christ. Amen. No, baptism is for each and every person who has given their life and their heart to Jesus and been saved. So if you're taking notes, that's number two. Number three is the motive for baptism. Why? Should you be baptized? You may be sitting there thinking that this morning. Why, why would I do this? Why, why would I be baptized? Well, the Bible teaches that you should want to be baptized after trusting Jesus for salvation because that's what Jesus says you're supposed to do. As a matter of fact, the Great Commission, again, Matthew 28, beginning in verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. And not only did Jesus say so, he showed so. If you go over to Matthew chapter 3, the Bible says, beginning in verse 13, look at it. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. Time out. Look right here. Who's been to Israel with me? Raise your hand. Who's been to Israel, period? Raise your hand. So if you've been to Israel, you know we go to the Jordan River. Even though you had some idiot on Twitter the other day saying you shouldn't get baptized in the Jordan River. He's an idiot. And, uh, <clears throat> and so, but you go there to the Jordan River, uh, and uh, that's where Jesus was baptized. That's where he was dumped. He comes to his country cousin, John, and John's baptizing there. All these folks have come out, and, and you watch it. Well, look what he says down there. He, he came to the Jordan to be baptized by him, and John tried to prevent him saying, in other words, Jesus says, hey, John, hey, cuz, I need you to baptize me. No, 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 no. You need to baptize me. And Jesus says, no, you're going to baptize me. And he says, okay, because <laughs> he's Jesus, right? Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. When he had been baptized, Jesus came immediately up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Again, time out. Did it's awful hard to come up out of the water if you're getting sprinkled. Right? It's a great illustration. It is a great illustration of how baptism doesn't save anybody because Jesus didn't need to be saved. Jesus is the sinless Son of God who died for our sins. He died to save us. Jesus didn't need to be saved. He came to John in order to be baptized, in order to mark the beginning of his ministry, and that's why we're baptized. 
It is to mark the beginning of our new walk with Jesus, to mark the beginning of our new life with him. It, we, it, we not only make disciples, we are to mark disciples. So that's why my job this morning, my assignment is to teach you, to tell you, to direct you, and to urge you to do what Jesus said, and that is to be baptized after you've been saved as a, to mark the beginning of your new life and walk with him. So let's talk for a second. Are y'all still with me? That made you mad yet? Man, I had one early this morning, and they, they looked like they were baptized in pickle juice the whole time I was preaching. I mean, they looked like somebody just ran over their favorite pet on the way to church this morning. So we're talking about the basics of believer's baptism. I don't know if you noticed when you pulled in this morning, but this is a Baptist church, <laughs> Right? We're not like some of the churches in the area, and you kind of got to be there three years in order to find out what, who they're associated with. We are a Baptist church. We've been a Baptist church next year for 250 years. I was talking to one of our folks this week. We were talking about this, and, and I said, we are a Baptist church, and it kind of means that baptism is important, right? What is believer's baptism? What does it mean to be baptized. Why, why, why should you? You're sitting there this morning. You're that first, the next, the right. You're sitting there this morning and you're asking yourself why. Well, you should be baptized as an act of obedience. We need Jesus' blessings in our life, right? Well, how are you going to be blessed? How are you going to grow in your relationship with Jesus by refusing or neglecting to do the very first thing that he tells you to do? Amen. I just don't see how you're going to grow, right? You ought to be baptized in order to be obedient, as an act of obedience. Number two, to follow the biblical pattern. Again, New Testament, saved, baptized. Buried, raised. Jesus died for us, was buried, rose from the dead. We have died to our old self, been raised to walk in newness of life. It is a picture of what Jesus has done for us and in us. We ought to do it as an act of obedience, to follow the biblical pattern. Number three, to identify with Jesus and his church. So when you come back tonight for the night service, because I know you are, we're going to be in Ephesians. We're in Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 6 tonight. It's the best service of the week, by the way. And what you have in the New Testament is this idea that the moment you're saved, really, the way that you're saved is that spiritually the Holy Spirit baptizes you into the body of Christ, spiritually. So when you are saved, then you ought to be baptized physically, openly, publicly to identify with all of your brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. That's number three. Number four, the mode of baptism. So the question that folks have been asking since about 250 A.D., when, according to church historians, you had these sick folks, and they asked could they be sprinkled or poured upon because they, they wanted to relate as closely as they possibly could with the act of baptism, which, by the way, is called a fusion. Pouring is called a fusion. Sprinkling is called sprinkling. Immersion is when you put them in the water and you pull them up out of the water. Submersion is when you put them in the water and you leave them. By the way, aren't you thankful we practice immersion, by the way, right? 
Sprinkling came along later in the 13th century. It was officially adopted. It had been practiced and, and really uh, accepted long before that. John Calvin declared the practice of sprinkling as the official mode of baptism for the churches in Geneva. Not long after that, the churches in England and Scotland and other parts of Europe began to follow suit. Here's the thing. Those were the practices and habits of men, not the clear, historic, authoritative teaching of the Bible. And by the way, even the leaders of those early churches knew that. Don't raise your hand. Anybody in here raise Presbyterian? John Calvin, the founder of the Presbyterian church, said it this way. The very word baptizo means to immerse, and it is certain that immersion was the practice of the early church. Anybody here raise Lutheran? Don't raise your hand. Martin Luther, the founder of the Lutheran church, says baptism is a Greek word and may be translated as immersion. I would have those who are to be baptized wholly dipped in the water. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist church. Any Methodist in here? Don't raise your hand. Buried with him in baptism, he said, alluding to the ancient method of immersion, the phrase buried in baptism ought to settle the matter of how it should be done. Sprinkling or pouring dirt on a dead body will not satisfy any of us. When Jesus was baptized, it is said that he went up straightway out of the water. And so any mode, any method, any manner of baptism other than immersion destroys the picture, uh, the symbol of death, burial, and resurrection, goes against the example of the early church, violates the command of Jesus to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and ignores the clear teaching of the New Testament. Mostly it just takes away and destroys the meaning of what the word means. Amen. I can see y'all been really excited today. Some of y'all are sitting there going, I got to get wet. We'll help you with that. We got towels. It's fine. The last thing that I want you to see is the moment of baptism. And here's the question. When should a person who fits all that we've said before this be baptized? And the answer is this, as soon as possible after you've been saved. Some churches and some pastors teach and preach today that people should wait a while to make sure that they got it. Not according to the Bible. What happened when the eunuch was saved there in Acts chapter 8? He's baptized on the spot. What happened with Cornelius in Acts chapter 10? He was commanded to be baptized right then and there. What about the Philippian jailer who was saved in Acts 16? Paul didn't even wait for the sun to come up. He baptized him then. Somebody says, well, pastor, don't you just think that we ought to take a while for Wait a little bit on kids to make sure they got it, make sure they fully understand. Well, look right here. I believe that as the parent, if you are comfortable that they know what they have done, they realize that they were a sinner, that they had offended God, hurt God, however they want to put it in their language, told God that they're sorry for their sin and surrender their life to Jesus, I don't, I don't think you ought to wait. Go ahead and take care of it. There's no reason why they, why they shouldn't, Right? A person, regardless of age, who's been saved should make it, a, make it public as quickly as they can through believer's baptism. Y'all remember back when we had the bus routes back in the old days? Remember, remember, remember the bus routes? We'd go out and pick up kids. Remember those days? This guy had run a bus route, and this boy, <clears throat> this little boy got saved. And the guy, the bus captain, came to him and said, Hey, now Sunday morning, you need to go down at the inn, and you need to find the preacher and tell him you got saved, and you need to be baptized. 
The boy got super excited the next Sunday morning. I mean, he didn't even wait. Some of y'all wait for like verse 15. Uh, he didn't even wait. First verse, he runs down the aisle. He grabs the preacher by the hand, and, and he says, Preacher, I got saved, and I need to get advertised. <laughs> Not the right word, but it sure gets it across, right? Because that's what you ought to do. You ought to get advertised. And maybe you're here this morning and you need to take the first step. You've never trusted Jesus. You've never been saved. Today, won't you realize that Jesus did die for you? He was buried. He rose from the dead. So that if you would realize that you're a sinner and repent of your sin and surrender your life to him, he would come into your heart, save you, cleanse you, give you the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promise of eternal home in heaven, you could be saved before you walk out of this place today. Amen. Just by taking the first step. Maybe you need to take the next step. You've done that. You've been saved, but you've never, take, you've never taken that first step of obedience. You've never been baptized by immersion after salvation as a public declaration of what Jesus has done for you. And you need to come in just a minute when we stand and sing and find one of these men across the front and say, Today, I need to, I need to be baptized. Maybe you need to take the right step. Maybe this morning you were christened or sprinkled or poured on when you were younger. Maybe you were dumped. But then as a teenager at a camp or a VBS, you trusted Jesus, and you need to get your baptism on the right side of your salvation. Won't you come today? I shared in the early service. Josh didn't know I was going to do this. It wasn't even in the notes, so I owe you a Coke tomorrow. 22 years ago, when I was Josh's pastor before he went to the ministry, he'd already surrendered to the ministry, was headed off to seminary. And I got a, call, I got a phone call at the church one day, and Josh, I'd preached one of these type of sermons, and Josh said, Preacher, I need to get baptized. I said, What? And you're going to seminary. He said, No, no, no. I need to get baptized. I forget what it was, but he'd been dunked, or probably dunked when you were a child. And, uh, but later on, he had trusted Christ. He said, I need to get my baptism on the right side of my salvation. And not long before he headed off to seminary, I baptized Dr. Lancaster. And there are those of you this morning, you need to do that. And you need to get your baptism on the right side of your salvation. And you could do that. You could start that today, right?